so good. Agosia, Agosia, welcome to episode nine, eight, nine. I don't even know what episode this is. It's a good episode. Oh my god. Agosia has a song. Are you she would, Agosia has a song she would like to dedicate to our colonizers. Please. Oh my ah, no, don't no. act like you forgot. <laughs> Call the sha sha shas. Like ba ba ba. Pay me what you want me. Don't act like oh, you. Oh, yeah, we did. Okay, we yeah, obviously I don't know the lyrics to songs. Yeah, yeah. You get proper yeah. 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 Yeah.
I haven't bought my ticket. <laughs> you know, I haven't started listening to his new album, and I can't get one because I didn't fine. mean That's like cramming the last week. Like was how it Soupy Woman? What's the name? What, the, the first song. No. He released a single before he released the, the I album. I haven't listened to the album. I couldn't get on. We're so he going, listen, we're purely going for the man. Let's not lie. Hey, the man has been wilding. Did you see? He's been wilding. Yes, he was driving her. He was. I was like, and if you're wearing earphones, I feel so bad for you right now. He posted it and he was like, I was just sad we don't have more time. I was like, huh, I, have you to, I feel like Jidana has changed. I don't know what happened this summer. He had a real hot no, boy summer. Yeah. You guys, you guys know that us three have a connection to Jidana, right? Like yeah. a, like a, a formal we, connection. We really need to use it. I, I, I messaged her today. She gave me blue ticks, but it's okay. Oh. It's okay. I love the little of oh. <laughs> Anyways, anyways. So let's get back to the matter at hand. Mm. How hot is Jidana? I'm kidding. No, bring it. <laughs> My husband. Uh, hey. I have five husbands at this point. No, I should really rein it in. I don't know why you. Why is he don't know your? When did he become your husband? Excuse okay, me. Okay, brain drain is a more important topic. This okay. is to be considered off air. Yes. Because yes. My dad is listening to it, so I'm just gonna give a rudimentary definition. Mm-hmm. It's when oh, those words. I'm oh, sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's when like the skilled people of a like certain population, mostly developing countries, um, leave those countries in search of like greener pastures somewhere mm-hmm. else mostly developed countries um and the conversation has been that these people are like skilled so they should be coming back to their developing countries to make it even more developed and so that they can get to the level yeah Mm -hmm. get to the level of developed countries but yeah you know um shout out to africa business club huh because oh yeah yeah, there are many african businesses yeah at ubc at ubc Uh because um last last um semester not summer semester in the in January, this January. January. Oh, let this me. Year. Yeah, oh. it was this year. It was January. Look at you exactly. Well, it was the last <laughs> academic year, technically. Yeah, like I think last year. Go on. Yeah, we we had um like a very wonderful person, our keynote speaker Ali Mufariki, come talk about how like um African oh, undergraduate <laughs> students, well, grad students in general, should go back home and help the countries and support the communities that have supported them to get where they are right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, so it's like been a big conversation. A lot of people are talking about. Should we go home? Why should we go home? Why is it necessary for us to go home? I just had like these conversations with my yeah. friends. Yeah. Like right now in university, because that's when a lot of people make their decisions, right? Uh, whether they want to stay or whether they don't want to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, if they actually want to go back home and why they should go back home. I mean, they in their opinion, they don't owe anything to anyone, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's me, myself, and I and I, honestly, I want to stay in Vancouver. Not me, I don't want to stay in Vancouver. Continue. Honestly, I've been the one of the biggest advocates for this, like mm-hmm. for this notion of going home on a personal level, mm-hmm. because I understand it's not for everyone and people have different things that they've left the country for like there's this huge assumption that everyone actually wants to change the world yeah is not always true um some people just want to help themselves which is which is great but i like uh, personally speaking have um i recently decided actually it wasn't always a thing when i first left zimbabwe i was sure i was like i was out like out for good yeah even my uwc interview i remember telling them that i'll come back and help and that was never the plan now if I then they have a message Michelle tomorrow and be like, We're revoking your UWC no, was, time here. <laughs> that wasn't the plan. Now if they heard me speak, they'll be like, Yeah, that's what we were trying to get out. But um on a personal note, for me it's just it's more of like a 
do you ever feel like you have a certain purpose and that purpose won't be fulfilled in a certain place? Yeah. And it's because it's the the money rush. If you know me, you know I love money. Like the dollar signs are money, like, it's, it's my language. <laughs> but the money rush for me is about more than just the dollar signs and spending the money. And no, no, no. The, the, the money movement for me has always been about the people and who is changed by it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think this got into me when I first watched The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. People learn different things from yeah. that movie. Others <laughs> learn to take drugs. I learned to, <laughs> I learned Don't to, do drugs, stay in school. Yeah, I learned to employ the otherwise you can do drugs in school. That has nothing to do with it. Just no, don't, don't do drugs. Don't you remember that that was the that was the, the, the thing that they used to tell you when you were younger, no? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't do drugs. I'm just saying today, how many of those how many people do we okay, know in our classrooms that are drug tests? Mommy and Daddy, uh, UBC is a wonderful place to work in. No, what was I saying? Oh sorry. I was saying that from from that movie, I just learned learned to employ the unemployable. And for most of my life, the most unemployable people that I do know that need the help more than anyone or just need their eyes opened Mm -hmm. are people from back home. Mm -hmm. But lately, I've been meeting a a lot of people who have gone back to try, Mm -hmm. um, who who come back here and they're like just right in in their 40s. And then they listen to you and they're like, oh, you're over optimistic little monkey and so I've stopped talking about it as much as I used to not that it's died out but I've stopped talking about it as much Mm -hmm. as I used to where I'm going with this (laughs) getting to the point I think a major issue with the brain drain and why people do end up staying out a lot is there's a huge contrast between where you're coming from and and where you're coming to and a lot of people do have like the hopes and dreams but when you come to a place that seems 100 times better right than than where you came from Mm -hmm. You tend to go back with this idea that um, I have to take everything I've learned back without fully making an acknowledgement of the position that the and people the you left are, are in. And I learned this from a book that was a completely different context. It was talking about how um, if you don't understand the like, like informal institutions, it was talking about how there's a lot of informal institutions in developing countries yeah. that we don't see. So things like um, the vendor, you, a relationship between the vendor and the buyer, right? That's a relationship. That's a social contract. Like an, yeah, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. It's an unwritten social contract. But a lot of times when people do go back home to start businesses, they want to discard those social contracts. And therefore, they're met with a lot of like um, pushback. Yeah, because, resistance. Yeah, because it's like very foreign. If you, want, if you just want to bring completely foreign concepts to mm. people, then it's going to be... Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I guess what I'm saying is I think part of the reason for the brain drain is this thing of like not keeping in touch with both mm-hmm. areas because it becomes very like you go back as a cultural snob mm-hmm. to the people that you you claim you're trying to help or you claim you're trying to yeah. I don't know um boost or whatever it is that we're gonna use yeah. yeah I think a lot of times when people like leave the country like right now we've left and we we are learning here we have that sort of notion that we are, we've learned all we can learn over here here is the place for learning mm. and back home is the place for teaching mm. but it's not necessarily the case because often what what happens is that home has been growing in your absence mm-hmm. and so the home you knew is not the home you're going to go back to yeah so when you go back home you also have to relearn mm. what's been happening. And then I feel like what needs to happen is a lot of localization. And like you can take business models from a lot of multinational companies, uh-huh. well, food companies, for example, like more specifically, like KFC and like McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. When they come to Ghana, they come to like other places in Africa, they adapt local like uh-huh. things onto uh-huh. their menu. Yes. So yeah. like KFC Ghana has jollof rice for mm-hmm. some reason. Exactly. They have shit. Yeah. So, and I feel like, but they're still KFC. And I feel uh-huh. like that's how our experience here. 
and trying to relate things back home has to be you have to bring the like don't bring poutine but <laughs> bring something else from canada and then yeah. like add the good from home and like repackage it and make it in such a way that it's still very attractive to the people back home and it's useful yeah. to the people back home i think another thing i want to say before i mean i'm just talking plenty is that um a lot of times people that want to relocate because like they 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 feel like they were not the brain draining people we are uh-huh. good we are the saviors because we chose to come back uh-huh. instead of our friends who have stayed and decided to uh-huh. put their needs they they come with a sort of like piety i know like i, I won't even call anyone out i can call myself out like uh-huh. sometimes you sort of feel like you have the savior complex that oh, yeah. they need yeah. you like yeah. if you don't come no one else will come and when you yeah. get there to well of this stature and everyone should like not maybe it won't be as like i'm um, like i don't know annoying as I'm or obnoxious as I'm like saying mm-hmm. yeah, or making yeah. it seem but it's just subconscious you have that sort of like in your mind that you are somewhat better mm-hmm. than the people that have been there throughout and the thing is you are not necessarily better you do have like I know some amount of skill some amount of like higher education in some aspects yeah mm-hmm. but they're they're also like skilled or like more educated than you and the things that could matter. I feel like that actually matter. Yeah, I was gonna say that that, because your market controls how how like powerful you are. That's such an ironic statement to make because we some of us go back okay the main difference between studying outside and studying home is usually held at the quality of education Um, right and in some cases in as you said specific areas of education for example a lot of western universities are more um have more um thought out or have bigger what am I trying to say? Have bigger uh, courses when it comes to technical things, right? Mm. Computer science, data science, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's more developed, mm. and so in those areas you have the skills. But what you're forgetting is that when you get home, there are ways to do business. There yeah. are different yeah. ways you yeah. do business mm-hmm. here, yeah. and that's a hard lesson. I've I I haven't had the chance to work back home since I left. But when I go back, I'm like, yeah, I can come with all my expertise and my knowledge, mm-hmm. but I can't tell Fred from down the road to do this because he's not going to listen yeah. to me. Yeah. So how do you? I think that's one thing that really spoils us and yeah. stops us from going back home because the systems here do work on a very legal, straightforward basis. Yeah. Back home, unfortunately, we do have to cut corners a lot of the times or you have to you have to weasel your way through some things. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, it stops you from going back. I don't know if that's your experience as well. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I had this argument with a guy who would not leave me alone on the ferry the other day. This was <laughs> completely irritating. Another, like, side note, can people please, if you... It's if you see someone with your with their earphones and a book, please leave them alone. Uh, we don't want to talk. We to don't. Anybody. We don't want to talk. Unless you're, you're very attractive, yet. please come through. Oh, that's true. We can't even okay. lie. Let's not lie. No, I mean, and I'm. I said unless you're attractive. Sometimes I'm intimidated by attractive people. No, I've met like I've met like these really old guys on planes and stuff who give me education on like mining and I'm okay with that. This one had nothing to teach me. Anyway, oh, yeah. I ended up just like calling him out. Can you imagine him telling me that? Imagine all intelligent, like imagine intelligent people going into business. Like business is only something that dull people do. Oh, so nice. I had to explain to him that we control his mind without him even realizing it. It was a long conversation. Anyway, <laughs> side note. So wait, wait, what was the, so, the job? So, what was he trying to like achieve with that conversation? I'm sorry. Know, because he's he's scientific. He's, he, he's, uh, he's a math guy. So he just wanted to prove that only math people are smart. But anyway, the argument I was having with him is he was saying that um, he was giving an example of how his father, when he when his father first left, um, was it Sierra Leone? I think it was Sierra Leone. Um, he used to send money back for 
his uncle or someone to start mm-hmm. a business. No, 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 no. And that's like, and then the guy who was eating the money or something like that. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I was like, fair. That's a, that's a good point that most people have made that I will help the country from outside. Yeah. And yeah da, da, da. Mm-hmm. But the point he was making was that he was basically saying that this is common sense that if someone is investing money, you should use the money for good things. He was he was making it sound like it's common sense mm-hmm. that his idea of investing is everyone else's idea of investing. Yeah. Right? And the things that people want are his idea because he's like, yeah, we were feeding him, we were doing this, we we're doing that. Common sense would mean that he needs to do this. And then I was like, there's no such thing as common sense. What you call common sense, you've learned. Humans right? are driven you... by their own personal interests. So... Yeah, and, and, and even besides that, even if we look at, even if we don't look at the personal interest route, right? Everything that you call common sense it's now relative, that's relative, is yeah. something relative. you've learned. Yeah. Like the things that we yeah. had to pick up, like your um, washing your what brushing your teeth in the morning. Your parents had to enforce that for I don't know how many years, and you're like, before before it became and now it's common sense, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like anyway. The point, the point I'm trying <laughs> to make is, is he's one of those irritating people, and one of the people that have created that idea that people have of us of like, oh, when you go back, you really just want to like come in and shake things up and like without really fully understanding and assuming that everyone that you're going to talk to is beneath you and mm-hmm. hasn't tried things out and mm-hmm. hasn't done, like hasn't gone through the trial and mm-hmm. error of opening that mining business that you're talking about mm-hmm. or that check business that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things to take into consideration. And I think I remember when we picked up the speakers from the airport for the Africa Business Club mm-hmm. um, forum, forum. They were talking about how when they left to go to promotion right there. <laughs> when they left to go back to Africa, they had to now start like finding mm-hmm. ways around the system to do this and yeah. to do that and yeah. to do that. And I, I I legitimately think that's like the way of doing business in Africa as it is because our infrastructures haven't and we always make it seem like it's such a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of our speakers, oh, no. Afosa, was talking about how <laughs> bribery is not the problem, is the solution. Yeah, no corruption is not the problem, is the solution. He was talking about how corruption is not necessarily a problem. And I'm 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 sort of like for that in a way, because I'm for a more bottom up approach, mm-hmm. which I think we what our duty is is to teach people that um, the government is not the biggest um, start or an end all because yeah. th- that's what these systems have taught us mm-hmm. that like the market the market has force mm-hmm. and if you look at the African the African system it's taught people that if the government doesn't say yes to something mm-hmm. that's then the way it's going to stay mm-hmm. yeah. if the government says it's not uh, the exchange rate is supposed to be like this that's the way yeah. the exchange rate should be even though they're the ones controlling it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it's in essence um, like following up on Rachel's question how do we become the people that teach that of mm-hmm. like we're teaching you to get into that space where you're now thinking more independently and like mm-hmm. controlling your market a little more, even from the distance that we're at. Like you don't necessarily have to go back, mm-hmm. but you but in, in, in any case the brain drain doesn't become that yeah that that's critical, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think what you're saying definitely makes sense. But I so here's what I struggle with. I think that for we all have to recognize that at the end of the day, all of our dreams or all of our like hopes or whatever are very different Mm. for example the way you feel about going home is very different from the african next you is going to feel Mm -hmm. someone may have just left home behind and been like you know that's yeah fine i'm from zimbabwe i'm from kenya but i don't i don't want to go back i'm happy here i have you know a great apartment downtown i have a great job and this is the type of lifestyle i want and I can't necessarily get them get that back home. That's their perspective. Mm-hmm. So we have to consider the fact that there are just some people who don't want to go back home mm-hmm. due to personal interest. But those who want to go back, how do we, like we were talking about this with um, Mr. Ali Mufuruki, how do we um, 
how do we encourage people to go back and how do we put systems in place at home which make this transition easy enough or at least better in order to get these ideas from outside to build up the industries back home because again there's so many roadblocks so we've discussed corruption but okay. how do we how do we move around that? I think I don't think necessarily that there have to be systems in place to make the transition easier because it's not home's fault that you're coming back or you left in the We're first different. place. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's up to people that not everything has to be done for you. Like honestly, mm-hmm. it's up Find to you way. coming back. Which is what to, you said. Anyway. Yeah, it's up to you coming back to like go out and make like learn the things that you need to learn. Say like work into the things that you need to work. We can only inform you, but you have to be proactive. I don't think it's up to anyone to fair, make fair. the transition easier for any like do internships like in the summer that you're away back home if you can do do self-directed co-op and go back home to like like work i don't know i feel like there are lots of opportunities to be in tune with the place that you're trying to relocate to before you even relocate in the first place i don't think it's anyone's i don't know yeah i agree with whilst i agree with you though i feel like most things that have come like power like come by force have like what am i what am i trying to say here like, I've always said the notion of a cartel. And hear me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By cartel, I don't mean drug cartel. Everyone just assumed I'm talking about drug cartel. I was <laughs> thinking of petroleum, but I, Michelle I wanted to expose no, 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 but I was thinking of a drug cartel. No, but like, um, I've always been the, pro- like, I've always been for the idea of like group economies of some sort, especially in the position that we are now is, um, in Africa. And why I say group economies is because as it is, our business um, models seem to be very, very, very dependent on government mm-hmm. and government power, right? Yeah. And we're in a position now where it's not necessarily so much about um, the system, this, the system, that, but people's psychology, mm-hmm. as it is, it's like, it's, it's, it's so stagnant that it's making our systems very stagnant mm-hmm. or our non-system position very stagnant. So why am I say that um, we do need some sort of like, some sort of like grouping or system in place is for that reason, mm. for that exact reason, of like we need think. to, yeah, of like, yeah, we need to encourage what our problem right now is thinking, to be honest. And it's not that people don't have the capacity to think, mm. but they don't have the 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 they they don't have the ability to see outside of the own the box that they've been given. Yeah. and it's not their fault. It's what it's it's what colonization has put us through. It's what slavery has put us. It's the position that slavery and colonization yeah, have put us in, and the governments have to keep us in that position for them to keep benefiting. Mm. So uh, why I'm saying that we do need some sort of way to immerse ourselves into that is because we're we're in a position now where we have to teach each other. And we also have to keep learning from each other. Mm-hmm. And the only way for, for to do that, in my opinion, is to form little like subgroup economies that like join the African and, Business Club. Sorry. No, but that link <laughs> in different ways. Sure, yeah? <laughs> Our presidents better listen to this. I better be happy some with money. Us. Or, okay, no, there's no money. No, but no. if you have money to donate, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that link in different ways. And I remember one of the key issues that was brought up at ABC last year was the fact that Africans don't want to mentor and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And Ali Mufuriko was talking about how just like learn yourself, like like mm-hmm. you were saying. We need to make an effort to learn and mentor each other. Yeah. I don't think we need to be looking up at the people in their 40s and 50s no, anymore. No, we look at each other. Looking at, at, yeah, yeah, looking at a... each other. And yes. my engineering friend and the economics student and the business student and the marketing person and the I, psychology I, student I and the sociology student, I feel like those people should yes. be in some sort of group. And then I'm in the restaurant business. 
But if you if your business starts growing, like if you're in the clothing business and you become, I don't know, um, a hit, and I'm in the restaurant and club business, just you appearing at my club already gives me money. Oh, but wait, yep. easy. That's, that's Michelle, what I'm thinking. 2020. Needs to be. <laughs> 2020. 2020. Oh my god. No, but I completely agree with you. And one, and I learned this. Um, when I went back home a couple of years ago, I actually, I was wearing a UBC hoodie mm-hmm. and I bumped into a woman and she's like, oh my God, are you a fellow Thunderbird? And I was like, yeah, yeah whatever, whatever. Thunderbird. I know, right? I've never heard that before, but I was like, yeah, yeah I was a Thunderbird. Of course I am. Thunderbird. <laughs> um, so but it's, it just showed me how we, in our heads, assume that their alumni networks do not exist where we are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be your own university. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what you're saying is so true. Yeah. Reach out. If you think that you can't crack the system and you can't, you're not Bring getting the support and the mentorship from people mm-hmm. um, who have been uh, established in those industries back home reach out to the students your age reach yeah. out to the students at the local universities back at home mm-hmm. yeah. because what they have the local knowledge mm-hmm. they also have the education mm-hmm. and you're coming with your insight and your education build something I think I think that's really amazing yeah. I do think easier said than done it's, but I think that that's the way we should definitely be heading yeah because my dad I, I brought it up to my dad the other day and he was just saying how do you think white people have survived in this in these oh, countries after colonization because if you look at Zimbabwe they, their stuff was snatched back right during the the, um, mm-hmm. 2000, 2000 to 2008 like period of like land redistribution but now you will never see um, a, a white person by a fuel queue you'll mm-hmm. never see them by a flower queue if there's shortages or there's mm-hmm. bread queues or there's whatever because they have those subgroup economies that if this one receives fuel he shares it with all his and then the flower person is sharing it mm-hmm. and then the bread person is sharing it so they, they have that established and I always say we should think like our colonizers mm-hmm. because yeah. they're the people who came in as such small groups yeah. into mm-hmm. a place that was foreign. Mm-hmm. And if we take those tactics, because I know it seems like right now we we are the dominant groups in Africa, mm-hmm. but if you look at it, we're not dominant economically not, not, yeah. in terms of the in terms of the numbers. They, like our numbers no. don't speak to that. I in fact I was just doing I was doing a, a research paper for one of my courses, yeah. and I was writing on the persistence of neocolonialism um, yeah. in Kenya, especially when it comes big to. Words, there's i was just looking at the amount i can't even remember the exact percentage and i don't want to give bad um inaccurate data but there's a huge percentage of land in kenya especially in the suburbs of karen etc which is still owned by the descendants of uh colonizers mm. and it the businesses all over there are all owned by these same uh, mm. caucasian people whether they're british whatever whatever it's like it has stayed there and they continue to build upon it and they continue to bring other people from these foreign countries and build upon it so i i agree with you Do you know what will rock your boat caucasian confuses me though because you know i thought caucasian were people from race. the caucus region I oh, no. Yeah, someone yeah, told me also includes Arabs to some extent. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. Yeah. I just heard that apparently a W-H-I-T-E is now becoming a slur. And I was like, yo, before this Aye. podcast get cancelled, I'm going to cover my bases. Yeah, my bra- ah. I don't know. Oh, I'm it means I'm tired. I'm tired. Okay, white people. I'm black. <laughs> you are white. You were the ones who put it on you, me first, so take that, it back. And speaking of that, so I remember I was on... So last year while I was on exchange, I was, again... but. It was 99% white and I was the only brown person. There was no black person in sight. There was this girl, we were discussing the H&M scandal mm. and we were sitting in the lecture hall and she was talking and it took her two minutes to try and say the word black because she was so afraid. So she was sitting and she's like, you know, it's where it's where they put uh, a black child in the, yeah, in the, the shirt monkey. which said monkey, mm. right? 
And so she was like, and the you know, weekend was mad about that. Everybody was mad about that. I'm like, okay. But <laughs> she sat there, and I sorry, I know this is a tangent, but she literally sat there, and she was like, and you know, we can't ask. Um, um, we can't ask because you can't even listen. I don't understand when people say African American because I'm not African American. Exactly. So that's exactly what she did. This boy was British, and he, by the way, he was even low. He was Kenyan, but he was living in in the UK, anyways. Uh, <laughs> Kenya, <laughs> Kenya Rachel has to, all the Kenyans everywhere. No, because he was just yeah. Um, he so she was just like yeah, and you know he's African American, and then I turned around in class, and I know I'm not even supposed to be speaking for black people. I'm not black, but I just turned around yeah, to her and I was like, you know that you can say black, right? Mm. And she was like, can I? And I was like, wow. I feel like the minute that you avoid saying these things, they do become more insulting. Mm. But, but anyway, anyway um, sorry, back to topic. back to the topic, which yeah. was <laughs> what was our topic? <laughs> brain, brain, brain drain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah. Yeah, but like in addition to the the land thing they were talking about, my dad was just telling me because um, the francophone countries in West Africa um are changing their currency from the CFA, which was pre- it is controlled by the French bank, mm-hmm. um to this I don't know what it's going to be called um I think the no I I don't know what it's going to be called I don't even lie something to do with ECOWAS because it's supposed to all the other countries uh. are supposed to jump about it but he was telling me that yeah the French are very angry that they don't get to control the CEFA anymore because it was their way of manipulating mm-hmm. the like economic climate in Africa because if you look about like if you look a lot of the countries in West Africa and I think further down are mainly French colonies the British were like strategic with their colonies uh. but the French like they were numbers Just, uh, people, yeah. yeah, they were numbers people, and if you think and about it, they're rough. Yeah, the mm. French don't even control their own currency because mm. they are part of the Euro Bank and everything. So this mm. is their only like hold on like something economic, mm-hmm. and they're mad. And he was telling me about how like all the buildings that they built when they are around, which are now like parliamentary buildings, um, administrative buildings, legal buildings, the Ivorian government, like in Ivory Coast, and I think mm. in Togo. No, in Togo, they've been doing things politically. In Ivory Coast, they have to pay rent to the French government for the buildings that they built during their colonial time. Uh-huh. That, still, they pay rent right now. Yo, let me tell you, you colonizers, you're really moving mad, huh? And no, and the thing is, it's no okay. one ever calls out France, but France will sit on their pedestal oh, and oh, be yeah. calling out... That's because, yeah, I'm so gonna... very strategic about I how they continue like to neo-colonial. And in Togo, they've made sure that the same uh, political family, like the Kennedys of like Togo, have been in place since I don't even know when. Like, this man has married people, killed their wives, killed his wives, like, and his descendants have come, done the same thing, stolen money, stifled money, but they're still in place. Because no one is voting for them. But then the French are, I don't exactly know, exactly because them. they're backed by the French. Exactly. And But, you know, this 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 brings me to some, like, an interesting concept that I've been thinking about of late, though, of we are so brainy. Like, Africans, Africans after after the whole thing happened, we decided that school was what we were going to get into. Mm. And we, like, Just educated because it ourselves got us hard. the first time, it was going to get us yeah. out forever. Mm. And we educated ourselves so hard. And now we're aware of so many of these things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're aware of so many of these things. But the people who are who are aware of it enough to understand the Western influence yeah. are the ones who are this side of the world. The yeah, that's that true. Of the world, right? Yes. And that's one of my issues as well with the brain drain. Because now, if we look at when, when I was back home in Zimbabwe, my education in Zimbabwe was brilliant, like you're educated, but you're educated through the Cambridge system. Yes. And the Cambridge system only teaches me as much as I need to know mm. for us to keep 
in, uh, staying in that position together. Yeah. And I don't mean to make this sound like a conspiracy theory, but we know it's true. It's <laughs> it very is. limiting. Yeah. And it's not only limiting to just to us. Even the British are educated in a limited way. Even oh. the Americans are educated in a limited way. But once you've left that little bubble mm -hmm. and then you come into another world, it's no longer education that's educating you. It's experience. Real life experiences. It's things that are not making sense anymore, things that are not adding up. You turn into some sort of like Nancy Drew detective in your uh. own mind, right? And we realize this stuff. But, and my issue with us staying here mm -hmm. is the the things that happen in places like like you're talking about mm -hmm. Togo and the places that happen uh, the things that happen in places like Libya and the things that happen in places like Zimbabwe continue to happen mm -hmm. as long as we stay out here mm -hmm. because we can we cannot influence as much as we mm -hmm. want to from the outside because what you are is a foreigner and mm -hmm. you're no longer experiencing what they're experiencing as close to you mm -hmm. and you're living a different reality if yeah. that makes sense my yes. parents and I know my, my parents and I talk every day, twice a day. They mm -hmm. try to keep me in loop with the Zimbabwean reality as much as I can. But sometimes they'll say something like, oh, this thing is so expensive. It's this amount. And I'm like, no, but that's that's cheap. Because in mm -hmm. my mind, I'm now You're using the $18. Yeah. And I'm using the, um, the $13 an hour minimum wage mm -hmm. system as opposed to whatever like whatever it is in Zimbabwe. An executive is earning, what, $1,000 a month. Do you mm -hmm. get what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's completely different. So the point I'm trying to make is, um, I I do feel like, and I, I'm not I'm not trying to cast anyone out who like stays, mm -hmm. but I do feel like we are at that point mm -hmm. where we need to give up a part of ourselves for something. And I can understand people who don't want who don't want to do it, but I always say pick a struggle, yeah. right? And we are fighting a struggle this side as mm -hmm. much as you're fighting a struggle yeah. that side. Mm -hmm. And the people here, the minute you get here, they know that they do try to keep you. The minute you get here, you're getting credit cards. You're getting mm -hmm. um oh, what is it? You're getting a credit So wait, so credit so I can I can I cannot leave no, no, they're giving you. They're offering you scholarships. No, they're just giving you. giving you ways to stay. Giving you, making you. Put yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you are not worth anything to them, they wouldn't offer you the yeah. scholarships that most that most African That's students true. are on. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like these things, we know and we realize it. Yeah, but you're not using know. it in the right way. Yeah. I, I don't know where it's, it goes. And yeah, I know you. Sorry, I know you were speaking about how yeah, some people just don't want to, and then you were like, oh, we should end the conversation there for those people. But I feel like a lot of the conversation has to be about those people because. Why don't they? Yeah, because the thing is that for the people that do want to go, they do have a passion and an interest that's always going to help them around some of the problems that they yeah. have, if yeah. that makes sense. Like yeah. when you really want something or if you, you want it to some extent, ways. you will find a way. Mm. Those are not the people that I'm too much like concerned mm. about. I mean, we do need to be concerned about them. And yeah, that's why like the group systems and things have to work. But I think a more pertinent part of the problem is the people that don't want to go back mm. home. And it raises the like conversation as we were discussing before about the needs of like the one versus the needs of the many and how much do you owe to your community at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, I feel See, like what happens, is... and I've said this in another episode, it may it may have been the first one. What happens is people for the first time when they leave their countries discover that I can do things for myself and not have to pay. We call yes. it black tax. Mm -hmm. We call it black tax back home. Black, black tax to summarize is basically the idea that you you come from an unwealthy background. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you, you now have to look after the people who couldn't look after themselves before mm -hmm. or pay back your parents or whatever or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like look after your parents in retirement. Mm -hmm. You come you to the side of the own. world, it's very like neoliberal and it's and just individualistic. You, 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 you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I get that. That's a very addictive lifestyle. And I think that's what happens a lot. But I also feel like we don't talk about it enough that there's a struggle here. Mm -hmm. And I, I know oh. Africans Africans are not very good at addressing 
the other struggles that they're going through. You know, through the funny thing is that we choose so to cute. accept the struggles here and yeah. be annoyed about the struggles exactly. back home. Exactly. And I'm because right. it's because of what we perceive the outcome to be, right? Yeah. We perceive the outcomes, and myself included, the outcomes of the struggle here to be much greater than the outcomes back home. The outcome of the struggle here is, oh, that Canadian passport, uh-huh. oh, that Canadian job in that Canadian house in that Canadian uh-huh. city. Back home, as she said, the outcome is maybe some success, but you continue with the black tax or the community tax, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's where it really comes from, is our perception of the rewards of that struggle. But you know, it's funny, I didn't know if Uruki even said it, and I've seen this, and I was talking to um, um, Dr. James McCamp about it as well, mm. that is, <laughs> I was here just plugging everyone, but he was basically talking about how there's so much more money to be made in exactly. Africa than there is oh, anywhere the, else. The markets here are very and, saturated. Yeah, and think of anyone who's controlled. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a lady I know who's who, who stops at the store I work at all the time. And I was thinking about when she made her money, because she's a multimillionaire and she sold an oh, insurance yeah, company. And then, I was thinking about when she made her money. And she made her money at a point where the economy was shaky. Mm-hmm. And I think back to a lot of people. When do they, first make, they make a lot of money during recessions. Yeah. The, the people who, are gener- like, who have accumulated generational wealth yeah. make money in recessions. In our country, and in a constant is, recession. So. This is constant recession. Look at people like, what's his name? Um, Dangote. Like, they are making money purely from recession. But then the misconception we have as well, that they have, that we now have to work on, is that they have to keep the country in recession to keep yeah. making money. That's like, true. And, yeah. and that's where our problem yeah. is. Because that's where the corruption is coming it's, from. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, it doesn't even need oh, to sorry. be recession. I, I, I wanted to say oh, one yeah. more thing okay. on that go before on. you go. And we were talking about choosing struggles and the struggles here and stuff like that. And I was like, for me personally, for me personally, the like the reason why I want to go back home is also kind of selfish because over here there's such a like tendency to become insignificant if you think about it you working your consultancy job your accounting job your marketing job you can be the best like marketing person consultant accountant but you're very replaceable you're very disposable and i think that's one thing that back home like back home they make you feel like you're worth something and there's no well to some extent there's no discrimination um if there's yeah if there's discrimination or prejudice isn't a nuanced form but it's a, in a more it's addressable classism. form it's yeah, yeah it's classism. classism and yeah. it's very i think addressable because even i think back home things get solved on respect a lot yeah. more and more yeah. so than here yeah. if they don't like you but you you can benefit them they're cool they'll yeah. work with people you. back See, home are a little more flexible in terms of changing their mindset, their mindset on yeah. a person yeah. Yeah. and i feel I, like I feel like um, a lot of times people don't think about those benefits uh, and those struggles. It's when you speak to like immigrants, recent immigrants, and I'm not discounting like the reasons why people may leave their countries. I mean, yeah. there's always like safety issues, persecution, blah, blah, blah. Those are very valid. Yeah. But sometimes you don't, you are always thinking the economic struggle. That's the only thing that most people think about. It's like, I'm not making enough money. I'm not making enough money, 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 money. Yeah. But if you think about the amount of money, if there was some way to, like, I don't know, calculate <laughs> the, oh, the, the deficit. They, yeah, but they oh. did it. I remember there's a thing. Sorry, Rachel, I'm kind yeah, of you. But they, they did. He was doing calculations in developing countries mm-hmm. of, like, the amount of capital that mm-hmm. should exist because he was talking about how assets have to be converted into capital yeah. not to go into anything. But he was talking about the amount of assets that exist that are not capital yet mm-hmm. that haven't been converted. And... In reality, yeah. because of that, and not and discarding even our natural resources, 
purely because of that, we're richer than a lot of Western countries that mm. seem rich because yeah. there's a lot oh, that doesn't matter. I wasn't yeah. even talking about that. I was talking about like the, the deficit to you as a person, like mm. in terms of mm. health. Because I'm looking at my uncle who's like younger than my dad and my mm. dad himself, they're both in their 50s. And I'm looking at my dad like, ah, I'm looking at my uncle, I'm like, you yeah, may you need yeah. to watch yourself. You Anyways, but just yeah. looking at that, the tax that they're taking from you in terms of like how you go about your like your daily routine, yeah. the discrimination, worrying about if your kids might come home the next day be, or if yeah. they haven't been shot by some white supremacist somewhere, yeah. like all these different things, or if you're getting that promotion because you're getting promoted, or like because of your own like value, mm. or because they need a face for this. Yeah. See, I find yeah. this. So so I feel like this is where now um, my my experiences and my perspective differ a lot, right? Mm. Because right. when you're talking about foreigners and we're talking about discrimination, at the end of the day, I, we have to consider that even for me back home, I'm still viewed as a foreigner, right? Yeah. Um, the biggest barrier, obviously, is apart from my skin color, I don't speak the language fluently mm-hmm. because my parents didn't know. I don't know. even speak my language fluently. Still, like, Same. but you know, it would have helped in my case because I already don't look, you know, mm-hmm. speaking Kiswahili would have made a huge difference. But that's besides the point. For me, um, actually going back home is not that big of an option. Mm-hmm. My parents are actually moving. They want to retire. They want to live the island life. So they're going in a couple of years. Yeah, they go. I don't have any family Jump in Kenya. Hey, apparently from... Just- yeah, you know, but anyways, I don't have any other family in Kenya. It's just my parents, my sister. Right. So for me, uh, there's already that barrier. Uh, and also there is a lot of discrimination. There's a huge history of racial tension, especially between the Indian community and the uh, native Kenyan community um. because of the history. A lot of Indians, my parents just immigrated there um, like what, 25 years ago now. So they're very recent, uh. but a lot of the Indian community was brought by the by, by the British as uh, laborers who uh. were there to build a railway. But then what happened, we built the railway. We're coming from communities where a lot of um, industries were already established. So we came with a lot of skill sets, right? Mm. With that, we were able to establish businesses. And what do you do when you're in a foreign country? You find people who look like you, the other Indians, you invite Mm. them into your business. You end up creating this great divide between Uh. natives and the community, which has persisted till date. And of course, there's there's a lot of integration and we've made a lot of moves, but at the end of the day, I'll walk down the street and someone will still call me Muindi. Muindi Mm. means Uh. an Indian, right? Uh They will still call me that. I will still be seen as that. I will never forget, never in my life... I call it school racism was fine where people would just make fun of how Indians shake their heads and whatever and I would like right past them there was this once I was walking down the road to my friend's house and this guy said to me in Swahili you Indians are just like dogs you're everywhere right and that's the day that's the one day in my life where I was like maybe this is truly not my country you know that's the one day where I felt like a foreigner so my perspective in this kind of differs from from you in terms of going back home. No, but your your perspective is actually quite valid because I think we are actually talking about you mm-hmm. when we say, is it worth it? And maybe this yes. is something you may That's not a, want yeah. to touch on, but I like just a general, and you can say no, no, you don't fine. want to talk about it if yeah. you don't. Do you think it's worth it to like, live in a place that people are constantly reminding you that it's it's not for you? Like even for the economic benefits, and like would you recommend it if you're, I think now she has more I of an equalizer because from yeah no the yeah. thing is I think the difference is you you were born and grew up there if I, I was born in yeah yes. but you, for your parents do you think they were ever like fully like my satisfied? mom so that's exactly where my parents are right now for mm. my mom Kenya is home 
she's built her community she's built her friends but she retired a couple of years ago so she's not seeing the day-to-day differences and tensions that my dad is seeing in business even mm. today nothing is for a lot of indians they have a lot of political power if yeah. they have generational wealth yeah. my parents don't right yeah. they're recent immigrants and there is a level of insecurity that's there in terms of um there've been a lot of uh hijackings and and killings in the past i don't i don't want to paint kenya as an unsafe place i've lived yeah. there all my life i've unharmed no, untouched but fair. You know? every yeah. place yeah. is bad yeah. exactly yeah. there are shootings in the us exactly. i don't want to feed into that stereotype but um there there's some there's some level of security that unfortunately unless you have the money mm-hmm. or you have the uh or you are seen as one of them that you will always live on that edge. Mm-hmm. And so my dad is seeing the rea- reality of that through business and for him that's exactly what the issue is yeah. is that I will never be able to be 100% comfortable. I'm grateful for everything that the company I mean the country has given me because he says he would be nowhere without Kenya. Like literally yeah. it made him who he is, yeah. but it's time for him to move. Mm-hmm. And with that I have to consider it's like moving to Canada where I have virtually no family mm-hmm. right yeah. I would be moving back to Kenya where I've grown up my entire life but suddenly it's this new completely right different yeah. place and it hurts because every time I think of this amazing business idea or how to help the community that that's home for me right mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. love to mm-hmm. go back but the systems are not fully in place for someone like me to be able to go back and it I may be able to prosper more here personally yeah. and that's a difficult choice that I'm going to have to make. Mm. So, you know it's interesting though the, I know the Zimbabwean kids um would say the same thing that your father is saying mm-hmm. of like and it's 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 completely different because when I'm at home I'm just a person so your experience like your struggle is pure like it's very it's more social and economic yeah. it's very mixed but I know a lot of Zimbabwean kids would say the same thing of like I if I go back home the systems in place it's almost like they've made us um strangers in our own country. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's our country. Oh, I was yes. born and raised there. I am a Zimbabwean resident and it's not even it's not even oh, it would be easier for me I feel like if it was a racial thing. Mm-hmm. But we are looking at people who are your same tribe, who are your same yes. and who claim to have fought for your country, right? Who claim mm-hmm. to have fought to free you. But are doing exactly that are making us feel the same way that you feel in in in, in what people want to um to remind you is foreign territory for yeah. you right most Zimbabweans don't even feel at home in their own country i have old teachers i have teachers who are in their 50s or in their 60s who are asking me um what what canada is like because now they the place that they've been calling home they've accumulated no, they've yeah. accumulated property they were i talked to my mom my mom is not even like she's not even keen and these are people who who have stuff you know it's not it's it's economic they they've built their economic wealth if you want to call it that but it's still they've they've been put in a place where it doesn't feel like home home for them anymore so this is another like aspect of yeah. the brain drain that we're talking mm-hmm. about of like yeah we're now picking a struggle and <laughs> But sometimes even your own home between the time that you left and now is so different so that it's not even. Yeah. And I'm I'm scared. I'm going back to Zimbabwe in December. But the way people have been talking about it is almost as if they don't they don't even live there anymore. Like yeah. their spirits are far yeah, away. My brother is every day. Like he's we're we're doing his. We're putting together university applications, and he's not even done. Like he's he's got a he still needs to do another year, but he needs to leave early. Like that's. Mm-hmm. That's, mentality. that's the mentality. Yeah, that's mentality. And I keep saying, oh, maybe if he leaves, then he'll come here and he'll get, because that's what happened to me. I needed to leave and, and to realize that I want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like you're saying, something has changed something between the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's, it's also and interesting that you can and be And I think for both of you, because yeah. I was talking about all the deficits over here and stuff like that, and people not realizing that that could have like even the ground between here and home mm. in terms of the bads. But now that I think like 
from Rachel's experience and from your experience, then if the bads at home are equal to the bads here, even on in terms of the social, then it makes sense why the economic benefits would uh, be the tipping points. Because yeah, 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 it makes a I lot of you. sense. And I yeah. think now the conversation would be like from the people who decide to stay, how we can make brain drain still work for Africa, if that makes sense. Uh, Because I think for other countries, they've been able to use like the migration um, reparation model to work for them. And so I don't understand why, even for the people who don't want to return home, why is it that we still can't use the reparation model, the immigration model, the brain drain model to still like work for us? I I feel like they're more on the reparation model. Please, sorry. So um, if you, like for the UAE, they have a 2575, like, like ratio where twenty uh-huh. five of the percent of the people are actual oh, Emiratis, yeah. and then seventy five percent of the people are em- like immigrants. 25. No, seventy five percent of the people are immigrants. Twenty five percent of okay. the people are um, Emiratis. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's actually a, like they control their place. You can't own land there. Uh-huh. You can't be a citizen there. It's mad. But anyway, oh, yeah, we have those in, in yeah. the in the UAE. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm. I must have completely misheard you. you said you in the UAE there's a 25-75 ratio. Yeah, where well, 25% are actually Emirati and 75% are Emirati. Of the population? Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh, interesting. I know for a fact that when you're a foreigner, you cannot own um, yeah. Uh, and everyone is a foreigner. Yeah. And everyone's a foreigner. Ah, so that's the point you're getting at. <laughs> yeah. So that, that that 25% controls everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, for sure. We have friends there who've been there for what now? 16, 17 years. Yeah. They still come by house. And yeah. they will give yeah. birth and, and their just, children won't be oh, able 100%. to. Yeah. And that's you know what? That's something you should consider. Yeah, I mean, like that's mad. It's working. Though for I them. fall into if that was the case in Kenya, yeah. I would fall into that category yeah. where we would I wouldn't be able to benefit from that. Mm. But if I'm thinking on it uh, on it of it on a larger scale, then yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. But what has happened is that it's worked a lot from the for the countries that have their like um immigrant population that their immigrant uh, immigrant population is coming from like the Philippines uh, Pakistan yeah. uh, like those people a lot of the money that has like been like coming back into the country to make the small skilled like jobs and SMEs that make up the economy of these mm-hmm. countries right. are from the reparations that these people keep on sending mm-hmm. back home but then in our case we have the greed the uncle who decides to as the, your friend said, eat all the money before it become, becomes a formidable yeah. investment. Or the people that just don't invest. Mm. The people that are like, oh, I'll help from I'll help. I'll, I'll help from here. I'll help from here. And then they never do. And and I, I, I think, and I said this earlier, that we are so brainwashed to only look at our governments that it's not going to work. And right now, it's a very, it's a very, um, I've heard a lot of people say that it's a very um, dreamlike version of life that I'm trying to create here. Of like over, uh, uh, okay, over the fascist institutions, institutions are not working. Mm-hmm. The government, the political based inter- institutions are not working. And every period that has happened, like every um, period of economic revolution or or just economic switching, has been done by the market. Right. Mm-hmm. Has been created by the market. Has been created by the consumers and the traders and whatever. Like the market, you know what a market is. Mm-hmm. And I think Africans are not ready to think that way. And I'll just give an, an, an example of Zimbabwe. What I didn't realize about Zimbabwe, I asked myself this for a long time, what I didn't realize about Zimbabwe is that when we first came out of um, colonization, mm-hmm. the government started largely subsidizing um, industries uh, such as agriculture, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When the government stopped being able to subsidize those industries, right, the people still didn't have the knowledge to do this without the government's help. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like getting pocket yes. money for all your life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then, then but so your parents haven't given you the life skills that you need mm-hmm. to start earning your so own. You yeah. spoke about Botswana yeah. as well, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, it was uh, it was similar things with Botswana, similar things with even South Africa. Of like you haven't you you were not taught to earn your keep. 
And the government won't teach us that mm -hmm. because they have to somehow sustain their power. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I had never thought about before and it hit me that this is why Zimbabweans are like this because even the biggest farmer mm -hmm. did not learn how to do it. They were mm -hmm. subsidized, mm -hmm. right? And that's what we're fighting now. Mm -hmm. We have to fight from like the very, the very up. bottom of it, yeah. the ground up because our governments won't do that for mm -hmm. us and our formal institutions won't do that for mm -hmm. us. So it has to be like really small, like underground, like, underground yeah. things yeah. and like yeah. little... Sub cartel, and I'll keep saying the word cartel because mm -hmm. I've seen this. If we look at an example, Mexico, this is a this is more of a negative connotation, I guess. But dr the, the the drug cartels rule the entire Mexico because they've been done underground, yeah. and they've, that's how we need to do it for more legitimate businesses. Mm -hmm. If we if we want things to come up, yeah. by the time that they realize we exist, you're too powerful to break down. And that's even the way like the more formidable businesses back home have been able to create, like mm -hmm. Dangote's people. No one knew Dangote before what 2006, and all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, bum bum bum, rice uh, um containers somewhere, yeah. but lands in Ghana. We're like, oh, who's this man buying lands yeah. in Ghana? But apparently he had been buying lands under different people's name. One day he came about, bam, it was all his land. The We're problem like, is with an African is you want to go in and say that I'm starting a franchise. They're going to kill you before you even mm -hmm. start. Oh. Start little like sub-cafes. So name this cafe um, Faith, the name that one for well, Jesus. So one day all it. the names you will know, change. You'll be like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly it's an empire. Yeah. 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 And the time we do that, you protected you in business to the extent where like they, they really cannot touch you. And mm. I know they do things. They grab people's land and they do. Yeah. But it's because we seek so much attention mm -hmm. when at the beginning of things and we're not prepared to work together yeah. and if, if you if you have yeah. a network with a person with a service station and the cafe and then finally take away your restaurants that service station will do something and, yeah. Yeah. but anyway yeah. I mean I have a deeper conspiracy theory about governments first of all I don't believe in democracy for Africa I'm sorry I do um, anyway <laughs> she does not I have all of our views no but no, I, I don't know the you. conversation that I have with people when I say make that statement is that they believe when I say I don't believe in democracy, I want a total no, I want a total dictatorship, yeah, yeah, authoritarian yeah. regime. There is yeah. a lot of middle ground. That and can a lot be a of whole countries. other episode. We should yeah, a lot of. I did my research in this. There's a lot of like That's other like yeah. governance like hubs, things. Yes. <laughs> no, the thing that is is I feel like democracy is a package that's been sold to us by the West to keep us in the place that, that we are, we are right are. now yeah. and the most profitable it is to anyone in africa is to, to the, the governments right now so the governments yeah. the governments yeah the governments yeah. in africa and the governments in the west are keeping us where we are yeah. i've never believed that our governments have done anything proper for we us we weren't we definitely were not prepared for democracy when it was yeah. bestowed upon you know the thing sure. is that they actually over. there's like a lot of research studies confirm this but then the gdp per capita to sustain a well-functioning democracy is a thousand eight hundred <laughs> usd why like, do we even fall? We uh, most African countries know, don't fall there. Not at all. Yeah, Ghana is supposed to be like the well, most expensive country right now. I think our own was thousand five when I was there last mm -hmm. year when I yeah did the research. So as you can see, it's not sustainable for us. But no. people are still looking up to this, and then you're they're preoccupying you with the tribalism and the oh, blah blah blah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to say that those very systems that we're talking about mm -hmm. don't work. And I, you know me, I my all my issues go right back to the colonizers. You that's not always accurate <laughs> at the time but they 
where did this divide come from? Where mm. did tribalism start from? Right? It was a divide and conquer. Okay, me, I feel like in tribalism some, would have always been there. Anyways, in, in, the, the grouping would have been different. The, but yeah, exactly. The, the frontiers were made by the British, exactly. but there were always you know, tribes. Like, That's my I, opinion. I feel like we can go on about the British. But we for have as long a as we want yeah, as well. We definitely I, have yeah. a community. The tribalism was there before the British. like because the only reason slave trade actually succeeded was because of tribalism. You're selling other because. The Ashantis didn't know what was going on, yeah. and the Fantis were happy that they were getting a leg up, and they kept and on they could yeah. the Ashanti people until they realized what was going on and came down. So no, I think xenophobia <laughs> is no, for sure. human beings. Like we're afraid of what we don't know. Like, yeah. it's a it's a thing. It's that um fight or flight thing, and then now like education and etc. Like changes is able to change that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I I agree with that point. So yeah, well. I, I feel like yeah, tribalism would have existed. Colonization. Yeah. I do think that it was intensified ten x because if you've taken and Professor Kofi's class here, uh, <laughs> Intro to African Studies. Uh, yeah, we, we touched on it and talked about how it was definitely used to the advantage of colonialism, yeah. right? And and that notion and that perspective of it stayed even mm. after colonialism. Yeah. So, And it's what's harboring us today. Yeah. But anyways, on this topic of brain drain, <sighs> I think much. we have drained our own brains. I um, feel like, um, honestly, <laughs> I didn't. I don't know if we said anything conclusive, but I, please do help yeah, us. Just I, feel like I think button, nice no one is forcing you to go back home. Honestly, I feel like Africa also doesn't need people that are dispassionate about this. Exactly. Yeah. Go yeah. back yeah. home. And coming home right just mindset. because people said, I have to come back home and I'm a bad African yeah. if I don't come back home. If you don't want to come back home, the that's value fine. From that is but I feel like favorite. these are communities, there are communities, even though you want to like ignore it, that have helped you to some extent. Like think to about the, extent. yeah, to, to a large extent, me, the cocoa seller on the side of the road who gave me free cocoa every morning when I was going to school. She has helped me Aww. come yeah. to school. Yeah, she has helped I me come that. to school to come to university. Yeah. So I don't know. It's there's some way you can give back. You don't have to be there necessarily. The no, you're always people. shouting out these coconut sellers, huh? No, not coconut, cocoa. Cocoa. Sorry, cocoa I thought coconut. Yeah, coconut. Yeah, even the work ethic, those people. He says that I'm shouting out the coconut sellers. Yeah. No, the coconut yeah. sellers. Just I did for them. Remember when you were tired and you didn't want to go to school? Then you saw someone switching, pushing the barrel. Yeah. Just that, like just yeah, yeah. that. Everything, yeah. everything, everything oh, no. in the ecosystem works. Yeah, but the coconut sellers help me though. They never laugh at me when I ask them for things in tree. That's Aww, why I like coconut sellers. The rest nice. of them would be the increase of pride yeah. because of my accent. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. So I find think... the systems of reparation that will help develop your country if you don't want to go back. That's just my opinion. Yeah, right? I like yeah. that. Okay, well, this was our eighth episode yeah. on brain drain. Some we more really intellectual hope, things. Yeah, yeah, we're proving we really to you that we're you... smart. <laughs> sure, yeah, we're not. <laughs> really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please give us all your feedback. DM us um, if you have any particular thoughts on this. If you have an opinion you would like us to share, we're more than happy to do so. Yeah. And in order to do that, to do that, sorry, you should hmm. follow us uh, at Third Culture Kids. Please follow the girl. That's yeah. At Third Culture underscore Kids, you can actually find it in the podcast description. And yeah, that's about it for me. Um, this is your girl Ritual. It's a cozy. Yeah. Michelle. Yep, and we are the third culture kids signing out. Bye. I just you guys with a Bye. smile. <laughs> <laughs>